Good morning, Hope Community Church. My name is Ken, and I am one of the elders here at uh, Hope Community Church. Uh, every once in a while, we like to give our vocational pastors a break during the summer, during the holidays, so us non-vocational pastors get an opportunity to come and speak to you guys. And as you guys know, we've all been going through uh, a sermon series throughout the summer called, Hey, I Have a Question. Right? Hey, I have a question. And so far, we have gone through topics such as the reliability of Scripture. We have gone through uh, sexuality. Last week, Brian Silver talked about like faith and science. How do they overlap? And today, I get the privilege of talking about what do you do when you don't desire God? What do you do when you don't desire God? I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation before. I know I have been, and that's why I, I decided, yes, I wanna talk about this topic with you guys today. And, but before we do that, I wanna just share a little bit about who I am, because I think it'll explain my, my desire, my passions throughout this sermon of what's going on. Uh, I am from a place where Core likes to mention quite a bit when he's giving a sermon. And he's like, hey, whenever I have to tell a hard truth, I know I'm from Minnesota, but if I wasn't from Minnesota, if I was a little bit more from the East Coast, I'd give this truth a little bit harder. Uh, and that place is New York City. I'm born and raised in New York City for 19 years of my life. This is where God met me. I was born in a Christian home, but from that Christian home, I, I didn't really serve the Lord till about 19, where God radically, radically changed my heart. I was at a youth conference, and in this youth conference, God just met me. It was like the Holy Spirit invaded my heart, and I, it was for like the first time I've ever heard the gospel preached to me. And when I heard it, I was like, Lord, I'm all in. Whatever you want me to do, I'm all in. And throughout that youth conference, there was a time when they said, hey, we have this discipleship program in East Texas that you should go to. And I just, I just felt this like prick in my heart, like you should go to East Texas. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know where Texas is on a map. I, like, I just don't know. <laughs> like, I just know my mile square perimeter of New York City. And I said, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. I never went to East Texas. I never really checked out the website, but I just said, hey, I'm gonna go to this discipleship program. Lo and behold, I get on a plane, fly to Texas, and all of a sudden, I went from the East Coast, where like the most diverse group of people you could ever find, and I went to this. <laughs> This was my next door neighbor. Like, no lie, I was like, what, what is that? I've never seen one before, right? And, and these cows were just enjoying life. They were just chilling. And here, though, in East Texas, where, where I did this discipleship program, I ended up staying for seven years. And in these seven years, God radically just transformed me. He sanctified me during this time. Uh, I have felt the call to ministry during this time here in Texas. And at the same time, I also met my beautiful wife now that we've been married for about eight years Right, it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah, she's the better one, right? Uh, and, and through this time of being in Texas and, and the call to ministry, uh, we were there and I sensed that the Lord was just like, hey, it's time for you to move from Texas and go somewhere else. And I just wanted to be, be obedient. I love Jesus, I wanted to surrender my life and I'm like, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. So I started telling one of my mentors this. I said, hey, Dave, where do you think I should go? I, I feel like I should go into pastoral ministry. I, I feel like I should do something. I'm not sure where. And he's like, Ken, I have a plan for your life. <laughs> How would you like to go to a university and work at a university and start a gap year program where you could disciple young people and also train missionaries? How would that sound? I'm like, I'm in. Where is it? Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
I'm like, wait, so I just went from New York to Texas to now Minneapolis? He's like, yeah, it'll be fine. It's not that cold. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm still working through that in my heart, right? So we started working at Bethany Global University, both my wife and I here, and, and, and the whole school is to train up missionaries. It's an accredited university where we just want to take the church to where it's not. And all of a sudden, this is the time that I've spent here the last six years, and I love it. I love what I do. Um, and at the same time, when we, when we moved up to Minnesota, uh, I wanted to say, find a home. I wanted to find a place where I could say, this is home. And when we decided to do that, we checked out like dozens of churches, and we found hope. And we decided to hang out at Hope. I heard Trike. I heard core, core preaching. And one day I decided to come to, to Trike. This was like the second time that we came to Hope. And I said, Trike, you don't know me. I don't know you really, but I want to get connected to Hope. There's something about this community that we love. How can we get connected to Hope? And he said, well, if you really want to get connected to Hope, there is something called Spring Retreat coming up in two weeks. Right Now, this is something we used to do way back in the day here, but it was spring retreat. If you want to go, you want to get into the community, this is the fastest way I think you can do it. And I said, take my money. Well, how do I do it? <laughs> and they gladly took our money. There was no problem for that. <laughs> so we ended up going to spring retreat, and from spring retreat, we just fell in love with the people, and we've stayed at Hope ever since. And, and my family love it, my kids love it. And throughout this time being here, in the last six years, we've had two amazing kids. Uh, the one on the left is Grace, and then the, other, the one on the right is Alexander or Alex. Uh, they are my, the hardest blessing in our lives. <laughs> Amen, right? All the parents, they're like, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, all right, we're good, amen, all right, we're done, all right. Um, but it's been a joy. It's been an honor to, to come here and talk. And like I said, today we're going to talk about what do you do when you don't desire God? And the reason I tell you all that is because when I was young and I decided to, to surrender my life to Jesus, all of a sudden I was like, Lord, I'll do whatever it is. And I was young in my faith. I was passionate. I was excited. Like, I don't know how many of you have ever been there where you're like, all of a sudden God just like invades you and you're like, oh my gosh, I'll do whatever it is. And you're excited about everything. Like, I don't know if you guys remember the moment when, like, you started to open the Bible and, like, every word that you read, you're like, God is awesome! <laughs> like, did, did you guys know this was in the Bible? Like, yes, right? You saw people and you just wanted to share your faith all the time, right? And some of you are like, no, I've never really been there, right? Uh, but for some of you, you're like, I just want to share my faith. I want to talk about Jesus. You would stay up late at night with your friends and just share, share about what God is doing in your life. And we were young. I remember being young like that, and especially at this discipleship program where all of us were just loving Jesus, and I was just trying to figure out, how do I just love Jesus more? And I, was, I got to a place where I was like, whatever I read in the Bible, that's what I do. Right? Like, I saw something in the Bible, and I'm like, I think I can do this. Right? So I, I read stuff about, hey, prayer. If we pray and heal for people, they'll get healed. So I just walk around when I was young, and I'm like, I see someone injured. I'm like, hey, do you want to get healed? I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> right? And I'd pray for them, they didn't get healed, and I'm like, maybe I did it wrong. I gotta go read my Bible again. Like, I just, I didn't know, right? Uh, but there, there's stuff like that. I'll give you a great example. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. How many of you guys have ever read the story in the Bible where Jesus caused Peter to walk out on the water, right? How many of you guys remember the story? I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I have, where all of a sudden, I read this, and I'm like, <gasps> Jesus, 
called Peter to walk out on the water. And Peter did it. And I think I can too. <laughs> and, and Peter got rebuked because he, he liked faith. I don't think I like faith. I think I can make it. I think I can make it to the end of the pool. <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay. In Jesus' name, I'm getting myself amped up. I'm like, here we go, here we go. I'm gonna do this, right? And I'm like, I'm staring at this water, this pool that I would try this at, right? And I'm like, okay, and the count of three. Jesus, I love you. I have faith. I got this. And by the way, I don't know how to swim, so Lord, you better save me. <laughs> here we go. I have faith, because if you don't, I'm not gonna be here very long, right? Uh, I'm like, one, Jesus, two, Jesus, three, Jesus, <laughs> boom, dive bomb in, right? And then I'm trying to find the edge as quickly as possible because I can't swim, so. Um, and then I tried again, and I tried again, and I tried again, all because I just love Jesus. And I read stuff, and I was passionate. I was on fire for God, and I was like, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And as I started to do this, right, as I started to just be on passion for Jesus, I also started to grow in my maturity in Christ. I started to read the Bible. I started to uh, learn more about doctrine. I started to uh, do more works that he's called us to do. I've, I matured. Some of us like to call this evolve, right? Like a little bit of what Brian Silver was talking about today. Right? We like to evolve in our faith a little bit. And, and here's what I think is that as we grow in our faith in Christ, we tend to lose some things, right? We tend to lose a little bit part of ourselves of when we were first young. And here's what I mean. I think that we are a lot like the church of Ephesus, especially if you are in this position where you're like, man, I know I should desire God, but I just don't really desire him right now. I know I should love him more. Like I remember when I used to really love God and now I, I, I do love him. I do like him, but I just, I don't have that zeal the way I used to before. And I feel like we're a lot like the church of Ephesus. Today we're gonna to be in the book of Revelation uh, and we're gonna to get to Revelation chapter two. We're not gonna to get to all the crazy apocalyptic parts, which I know all of us love to read, right? Uh, but we're gonna to get to Revelation chapter two and, and look at how the church of Ephesus uh, was dealt with. The passage that we're looking at is God just calling out the church of Ephesus and he's like, hey, there's some good things that you're doing, but there's also some bad things that you're doing. And here's the good things that the church of Ephesus was, was doing. In Revelation chapter two, verse two, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and have not grown weary. So here's this church that God is looking to. There's seven churches in Revelation that, that the Lord is calling out. And the church of Ephesus, he's like, hey, I know you do really good works, you do hard work, you've even persevered through trials. And you know what, you are doctrinally pure. Whenever there's false teaching, you'll call it out and you make sure you're doctrinally sound. Like if I was this church reading this letter, I'd be like, man, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm doctrinally sound. We all wanna be doctrinally sound, right? Uh, I'm doing hard works, I'm pure. Like there's all these awesome things that we're doing. And I look at this and I was like, oh, when we grow in our faith, Sometimes we look at this list and we're like, yeah, that's me. I can do that. But then all of a sudden, why is it that our passions tend to dwindle? Why is it that our fire just starts to go out? Where we do all the good things, but we're just not as excited as we used to be. I think Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 talks about why this desire wanes in our hearts. It says this. 
Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Okay, can I be a little honest with you? I did not wanna be the first time elder that comes up here and be like, I get to rebuke Hope Community Church. <laughs> Let's talk about how you're forsaking Christ, right? I was like, I wanna leave that to trike. I should, talk, I should talk about how God's a comforter, how God loves you. But it's like, no, when they talked about how, you know, how is it that we stop desiring God while our desires wane? I just started looking through the passages and I look at this passage and I'm like, oh, I gotta preach this passage that we've forsaken Christ. And I'm like, well, I don't think many of us have forsaken Christ. Like when I read this, it was a challenge to me because I didn't wanna come up here and be like, you have all forsaken Christ. And you're like, no, I haven't. I love Christ, I love Jesus. I know for me, when I read this passage, I was like, ah, I didn't, want, I didn't want to read this passage because mainly I have to now diagnose my own heart. I have to diagnose and ask myself, have I forsaken Christ? And none of us would ever say we've forsaken Christ outright. But when you start to look at this word forsaken, here's what it means in the Greek is that it means that you've abandoned something, you got rid of something, you stopped cultivating it. It's showing that it wasn't a, uh, an overnight thing, that it's a slow process that you started to walk away from it and not realizing that you have because you stopped cultivating it. So the reason that our desires wane is because ultimately we have forsaken our first love. We've forsaken Christ and we've forsaken others. But like I said, this is a slow process. This isn't something that happens overnight. This happens on a day-to-day -day basis. What do I mean by this? There are several reasons that I believe that we have forsaken Christ, and I'll show you this through the scriptures here in just a second. But the first one, of why we forsake Christ. We forget. We just forget who God is. We forget who God is. We forget his promises. We forget what he's done for us. We forget how gracious God has been to us when we are not gracious with those people on I-35. <laughs> right? When they're on the left lane and you're like, in Jesus' name, you better move before I lay some hands on you. <laughs> right? You're just like, Lord. Right? We forget, we forget God all the time. I know I do. There's some, like, I work in ministry and I still forget God. Isn't that scary? Shouldn't that scare us that we forget God in our daily routine when we're changing our kid's diaper, when we're just going to class and we're just like, oh, I have to listen to this boring teacher again. We forget about Christ. We forget about what he's done in our life. The second reason that we forsake Christ, we start to desire other things. Life gets hard, life gets difficult, and sometimes we just wanna be comforted. And we pursue other comforts rather than Christ. Some of us, our comfort is food, some of us, our comfort is lust. Whatever your comfort is, you end up pursuing that versus pursuing Christ. And sometimes you desire good things, and they're not bad things, they're, they're good things, they're common graces that God has given us, but in those common graces, we pursue those and we make those good things ultimate things. And we start to desire those things more than Christ. The challenge that I find myself when it comes to desiring other things is this. When I wake up early in the morning and I have 15 minutes of time, do I desire taking those 15 minutes to spend time with the Lord? Or is there like this habitual instinct that all of a sudden I'm checking my Insta stories and Facebook? Right, you're like, oh, look, 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 look what's going on now. And all of a sudden, all that time that I could have been spending with God, has just been spent on social media. We desire other things. The third one is this. 
we cultivate other important things. And here's what I mean by this. All of us got jobs, or some of us hope to have a job, right? We have jobs, we have parents, or we're parents, we have kids, and you have to cultivate those things. You have to make sure that you're taking care of those things, because if you don't take care of your child, you're gonna get arrested, right? <laughs> like, like, you need to take care of your child, right? If you don't go to school, you're gonna fail, and mommy and daddy are gonna be really upset at you, because they've been paying the bill. Right? So we cultivate all these other things, but in the cultivation process of all these other things that we have, whether it's work, family, friends, we make that a priority, and we take our relationship with God, and we make it lesser. And this happens on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, in a slow process. I know for me, this is how it happens. I tend to like to hang out with Jesus early in the morning, not because I'm an early bird, early bird, it's just because my kids wake up at like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And if they wake up that early in the morning, I need to make sure that I wake up a little bit earlier. But in the process of that, right, I'm trying to make sure that I spend time with God. All of a sudden, I have all these overwhelming thoughts about work coming into my head or the next uh, venture that I want to do or whatever things that my kids are dealing with. I was like, maybe I should read a parenting book in these 30 minutes. All of a sudden, I start to focus on all these other things that I lose Christ. And I stop spending time with God. I start reading other books. They're all good things, but inevitably, it makes me lose sight of who God is. So ultimately, how do we solve this? How do we solve this problem of us forsaking Christ? Whether you are just desiring God or desiring other things versus other than God, you're forgetting God, you're cultivating other things. How do we come back to Christ? How do we come back to that place where we're like, we just love spending time with Jesus? When we had those 10 minutes, when we had those 15 minutes, whatever time you had, you were like, God, I love you so much. I love hanging out with you. I love talking about you. I love seeing how you are working in a friend. How do we get back to this? I think the passage in Revelation talks about it. In Revelation 2.5, he says this. Consider how far you have fallen. Consider how far you have fallen. Uh, Greg Morse gives this great alliteration, but he says, how do we solve this? The first one is remember. The first thing that you're supposed to do is just remember. You forget something, so thus you have to remember things. Remember where you've come from. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says it this way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we're by nature deserving of wrath. Remember, have you fallen? Here in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is trying to remind the church of Ephesians, like, hey, remember what God has done for you. And before he tells you what he's done for you, he's trying to remind you of your fallen condition. Remember who you were before Christ. Do some of you just like ever stop at the beginning of your day and just remember who you were before you came to Christ? How insidious your heart was? How evil you were? Or have you gotten so good at walking the Christian walk that you're like, that, yeah, that used to be me, but I wasn't really that bad. You've, you've become an accidental Pharisee where you don't realize that your sin was that bad that Jesus needed to die on the cross. Do you remember where you've fallen, that you were disobedient, you deserved wrath, that all of a sudden you were following the enemy versus Jesus? 
Do we forget this? Do we forget how awful we were? Do you forget how those desires that you pursued beforehand never satisfied you? You craved lust, you craved other things, and when you finally got it, it left you empty. Did you forget that? Some of you this past week fell into sin. And as you fell into sin, you thought that those things were gonna satisfy you. And you were left wanting. And the worst part is that you knew that it was never gonna satisfy you. And you fell into the temptation. You fell into the trap of the enemy. And, the, and John is trying to remind us in Revelation and Paul here in Ephesians is like, remember where you have fallen. Remember your fallen condition. But he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't leave us in this place of just fallen condition. He also wants us to remember God's grace in our life. He wants us to remember who God is and what he's done for us. And Ephesians 2, 4 to 7 kind of goes through that a little bit more. He says this, but... This is the greatest but in the Bible. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus. Do you remember God's grace? Do you remember how awesome he was? I can tell you, living in New York, I was a hellion. That's an old school word for some of you, right? Like, I, was, I, I just did whatever I did. I know I went to church, but guess what? I was one of those people that went to church, and two minutes later, I was sinning. I'd go in the church, I'd sing the songs, I'd pray the prayers, I'd listen to the word, well, kind of listen to the word, right? And I'd walk out, and I'd just figure out how to sin next. One minute, I looked like the great Christian kid. The next, minute, the next minute, I was just the greatest sinner of them all. And the worst part about my position is that because I was raised in the Christian church, I knew all the right things. I've heard the gospel a ton of times. And even listening to the gospel, I still ran away. I still ran away from the grace of God. And I was just in this place where I was like, you know what? God doesn't love me. God doesn't really care for me. He loves those around me, but he doesn't really love me because I have sinned so bad. I don't know if you're there today, you're in this room and you're just like, Ken, you don't know what I've gone through. God could never forgive me. God could never forgive the things that I've done. And I'm here to tell you, that's a lie. That is a bold-faced lie. God's grace is greater than any sin that you could ever commit. His grace will far reach anything that you've ever done. There's a great parable in Luke chapter 15 of the, uh, of the prodigal son where he was hanging out with, with his father and he decides one day, I'm just gonna leave everything or I'm just gonna leave my father. I want my inheritance and I'm just gonna go. And I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna do whatever I want. And the father gladly gives it to him. Well, the prodigal son all of a sudden just wastes all his things and in, in one moment he realizes this world doesn't satisfy. I've done everything possible to run away from my father. I just took his inheritance and I did whatever I wanted to and at the end of the day, none of it satisfies. None of it satisfies. And he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go back to my father. I'm gonna go back to my father and hopefully I could be a servant. And this is my favorite, this is like one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it shows me, it shows you of how gracious God is. 
Because when the son, all of a sudden, in all his sin, in all your wickedness, when you, in all your sin, in all your wickedness, start to realize that God's grace is greater, you start to slowly walk back to him. And you start to make these justifications. Well, maybe I'll just serve God this way. Maybe I'll just do this. And you start to maybe pursue religion rather than a relationship with God. But God, in his grace, he says this. He sees in the, in the story, he sees the sun. And as he sees the sun, he doesn't just stand there and like, oh, look, my punk son is coming back. <laughs> yeah, I knew this was going to happen. No. It says that God the Father runs to his son. He runs to his son, and he doesn't just like run to his son. Back then, you're not supposed to, like an elder's not supposed to run. That's supposed to show shame and disgrace. He's like, I don't care. I see my son coming back. And then all of a sudden, the son, you know what he's doing? He's trying to make excuses. He's like, hey, dad, you know, uh, my bad, right? Like, he, he's just doing some things, and he's trying to justify, like, hey, I'll just serve you. I'll do whatever. But you know what God the Father says? He doesn't, he doesn't like even, he just ignores that. He's like, hey, I'm gonna put a robe on you to remind you who you are. I'm gonna put a ring on you to remind you that you're mine. I'm gonna give you new sandals. I'm gonna throw you a party because you were lost and now you're found. This is the grace that God wants us to, rem to remember that in verse seven, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are at today, God can show you his grace and you could run after him. If you're not desiring God, the reason why you're not desiring God is because you've just forgotten and you need to remember what Christ has done for you. That wherever you were at, whenever you were the worst of sinners, Christ died. First John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8, that while yet we were still sinners, Christ showed his love by dying for us. Do you remember how much he just loves you? Or do you just compare that to your love with the, how much you love pizza? I mean, come on, I love pizza. I'm from New York, right? But do we just love Christ? Do we remember God's grace? As we continue in this passage, he doesn't just say, hey, remember, remember God's grace. He also says, repent. He says, repent. Consider how far you've fallen, repent. So, so far, we, how do we solve this? We remember and we repent. And repentance is turning your mind, will, and emotions from the thing that you've desired most to Christ. All your thinking, all your feelings, all your, your, your will, you're going to take that and you're going to go run back to Christ. You're just surrendering. You're saying, Lord, I confess, this thing does not satisfy. I'm coming to you. And for some of us, when we, when we repent, I get a little nervous about how some, some of us repent. And here's what I mean by that. When we repent, we tend to be like, God, forgive me, my bad. And then you just kind of move on. We don't realize that like your sin, when you sin, you caused the son of God to hang on a tree. Have you forgotten that? That every time we sin, we're saying, God, you deserve to be hung on a tree. When I realize that when I sin, the reason why I sin at the end of the day is that I have decided that God, you're not good enough and whatever I want is for me. And all I'm telling you guys today is 
that's not, that, that's not the gospel for you. You need to turn away from those things. You need to repent of those things and just say, Christ, you're enough, and I surrender. For some of you in this room, you've never done that. You've never been to a place where you've truly repented. You've never given yourself to Christ. That's why you keep pursuing these things. That's why you keep pursuing relationships. That's why you keep pursuing your job and you're trying to find your identity and all these things. And none of it satisfies. And Christ is just saying, return. Return or repent. Trust me, you could find all of the joys, all of the satisfactions in Christ. And as we move forward, he doesn't just end it of repentance. He says this. He says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. What is that? He's just saying return. Return. So you remember, you repent, and you just return. Return to Christ. And here's the thing. When you return to Christ, some of you just need to remember how to return to Christ. Right? Obviously by repenting. But he's like, return to Christ and not just any old-fashioned, return in the way that you did things at first. He's trying to say, hey, what are the things that stirred your affection for Jesus? What are the things that you used to do that you were like, I get super excited for Jesus? Here's what I mean. For some of you, that might have been just getting into the word. For some of you, that might have been prayer. For some of you, that might have been uh, worshiping. There's something that you did that stirred your affection for Jesus. And that's what I want to go through today is just like reminding you, how do you stir your affection for Jesus? So we're going to get really practical in how we do this, okay? The first one, just say rooted in the word of God. If you want to return to cultivating a desire for Jesus and affection for Jesus, stay rooted in the word of God. Get excited for the Bible. Get excited for the things of God. Now, here's the thing. In staying rooted in the word of God, you just got to read or listen to it. I don't know what your, your methodology of learning is but find whichever one suits you best. I am a horrible, horrible auditory learner. If I listen to a podcast and you ask me two minutes later, what did you just listen to? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, someone was talking, right? Like, I, I just tune it out for some reason. But I'm extremely visual, so like reading helps me out a lot. But if, if I'm honest, right, when we read, sometimes you read the Bible as if it were like an ancient text and not like we were encountering God. We read it like it's just another book. It's not just another book. We get to encounter God. So read, stay, stay rooted in the word of God. But reading is not the only thing you should do. And I think this is what ends up happening. When we read the Bible, we end up just reading and we try to go with like quality over quantity. You're just like, oh, well, I guess today I gotta read my Bible. Today I gotta go through my Bible reading plan. And you're like, I got seven pages to do. And as you're reading your Bible, you, you've read all, se all, all seven chapters, all seven pages, whatever you're reading. And then by the time you're done, you're like, all right, I checked it off, I checked off the box, but you have no idea what you just read. Am I the only one who's ever been there? I'm just curious. All right, I got two people, okay. All right, I'm not alone. All right, but just read, making sure that you're reading the Bible in such a way that it's quality over quantity, that you are just excited to read the Bible. And here's, here's actually what's helped me to get more excited about reading and staying rooted in the Word, is that I memorize and meditate on Scripture. I memorize and meditate on Scripture. Here's a great example. Uh, I remember a time in my life when I was young in my faith where, to be honest, I, I did not like reading the Bible. I know a pastor shouldn't say that, but it was true. I did not like reading the Bible. I, I actually thought the Bible was really boring. And if you don't think the Bible is boring, I just kind of read through numbers and I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm like, if the purpose of numbers is just to sanctify and persevere, like golden, you're good to go, right? 
But I felt like there was more to it, right? There's more to those, those books. So I was just like, I, I remember telling one of my mentors, I was like, dude, I, I love worshiping. I love praying. I love talking about Jesus. But I just, I think the Bible's boring. I kind of hate reading the Bible. And he could have rebuked me. He could have just said, you're an idiot because you lack faith or whatever, right? He didn't. He said, Ken, I want you to memorize this passage of Scripture. And here's my challenge to you. And this is what he was telling me. I want you to take a week. Don't read anything else in the Bible. Don't do anything else, but just read this passage or this verse, memorize it, and meditate on it for a whole week. I said, uh, okay, challenge accepted. That seems easy, right? <laughs> I don't have to read more of the Bible. Awesome, just one verse. Like, that was kind of my mentality. And this was the passage. It says, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So I was like, verse seems simple, got it, right? It's alive and active, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I want you to memorize it and meditate. And meditate means that you're just gonna think it over and think over it and over and over and over and over, and you're gonna let it just simmer in your heart a little bit, right? And I said, okay, fine. I did it for a week, four days into it. I'm just walking in the blazing heat of Texas of 110 degrees, right? That is like in February. Um, <laughs> and I'm just walking, and I'm walking from my dorm room to the classrooms, and I'm just walking. I'm like, for the word of God is living and active. For the word of God is living and active. For the word of God is living being and active. This is dumb. For the word of God is living and active. For the word of God. And I just kept doing that. I'm like, for the word of God is living and active, living and active, living and active. And I could remember exactly where I was standing when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit illuminated this passage in my heart. And I was like, for the word of God is living and active. I'm like, wait a minute. How can words be, what? How can words be living? How can, how can they be active? Words aren't living. Words are words. They're not living. We're living. People are living. But it's saying all of a sudden the word of God is living and active. And I was just like, it like just like shocked me. I was the only one around, but I was like looking for someone. I'm like, is anyone around? I'm like, do you guys just realize what this passage just said? The word of God is living and active. It's like when you read the Bible, you're not just reading an ancient document. You are encountering the living God. Every single moment you're encountering the living God, you have an opportunity to say, oh my gosh, Jesus' character, Jesus' nature, all of a sudden how good he is, what he's done for us, all the promises. He is showing us who he is, and this book reveals how gracious and patient Christ is. And I was just standing there like, it, it just changed the way I ever read the scriptures, where I wasn't just reading it as a book of historicity. I wasn't just reading it because I wanted to get good doctrine. I was reading it because I was encountering the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what I want to tell you guys. Like for some of you, you might get there where you're like, man, the Bible just feels a little bit boring. Like I'll tell you what, if you just meditate and realize that it is alive, that it is truly active and it penetrates and it digs into your soul and it reveals who you truly are and what Christ has truly done for you, I guarantee you that your life will never be the same. You would always fall in love with reading the scriptures. But not only do we do this, okay, not only do we stay rooted in the word, if we want to return to desire of culturating scripture, we have to redeem our time. For some of you in this room, this, this was me as I was preparing this message. Some of you in this room, you're like this, Ken, I get it. I do want to desire God. I want to, I want to do things for God. But dude, I'm just busy. 
And it's not like stuff that we can stop. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, I'm just going to quit my job tomorrow so I can pursue Jesus more. Right? It's not like all of a sudden you can stop taking care of your kids. It's not like all of a sudden you can stop doing certain things because they're important things that you have to do to live life. So in the midst of all of those things, how do you redeem your time in such a way that you could actually encounter Christ? Here's what I mean. I mean, in redeeming your time, are you praying throughout the day? I, I remember a time where I was just like, dude, I, I'm so consumed with my kids. You know, I know they're a blessing, but I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys have ever done babysitting or have kids. You just get to a place where you're like, I'm surviving. There's no thriving here, just surviving. <laughs> right? Just surviving. And I, I'd be like, look, I, I would like just take potty breaks. Right? I'll go to the bathroom. Like, I just, I'm like, Jesus, I need you. Please, Jesus, come, Lord. Like, I'm just like there, like, oh, Lord, whatever it needs to be. And I would just go in the bathroom while I'm, while I'm using the bathroom for 30 seconds, and I would just go in there and be like, okay, God, I need you. I walk back out, hang out with my kids, and then I'm like, oh, five minutes later, I'm going to go back to the bathroom. <laughs> I just, like, do we take time to just take breaks and just say, Lord, I, I, I need to talk to you. Your car ride. Instead of listening to talk radio or Caleb's pledge for, for the 19th time, Sorry if you work for Caleb, not, not sorry. Okay, um, instead of listening to that, could you just turn off the radio and just say, hey, God, I'm here. Talk to me. I want to talk to you. And some of you are like, uh, dude, I've never done that. I don't know how to pray. Well, come find one of us as the elders. We'll, we'll, we'll be glad to teach you. We'll be glad to walk through that with you. Do you just, do you just stop? Some of us, we get so consumed with our phones that we just need to kind of put that away. So another way to redeem your time is fasting. Fasting. Now, some of you may have never fasted, or your concept of fasting is like fasting between meals. <laughs> right? Um, but fasting, ultimately, what you're trying to do in fasting is you're going to say, hey, I'm stopping certain things, and that time and energy that I was going to put to that, I'm going to put, be put towards Christ and cultivating my relationship with Christ. So that's why sometimes people fast food, right? They're like, hey, I'm gonna fast this food because of the time it cooks and we don't wanna make food an idol in our lives or a comfort in our lives. We're just gonna pursue Christ. So fasting might be a good one. Uh, for some of us today, fa fasting may not be an issue or fasting food may not be an issue. The thing that you need to fast is your phone, right? Like how many of you, you don't have to actually raise your hand for this, but how many of you have actually checked your phone like more times than I've talked today? Right? Some of you are like, I know, I for sure, you're boring, dude. I've just been listening, I've just been on Facebook, right? We just check our phones, and it's habitual, right? We're like, I was talking to Brendan back there, and we're just like, oh, yeah, how many times do we just start scrolling through our phones? We're talking to our spouses while we're scrolling through our phones. Yeah, some of you, you're like, don't look at my spouse right now, right? But fast, fast through these things, right? You got to just get rid of them so you could cultivate a relationship with Christ. A couple other things to desire your, a relationship with Jesus. Pursue community with a purpose. Means join a small group. And in your small group, don't let your small group get complacent. And here's what I mean by getting complacent. Some of you have been in a small group for a while now and you kind of go through the routine. You get there, the first 15 minutes, you're kind of chilling, you're kind of hanging out, you tell people about your day, then you get into the word of God, you kind of like are paying attention, kind of not, right? And then we go into accountability time. Oh, and accountability time is one of my favorite times. 
Like, I, I truly love accountability times. But sometimes, in accountability times, this is what tends to happen. Is there anything we could pray for? And the person next to you waits about a minute of awkward silence before someone talks and says, yeah, can you just uh, pray for my job? And you're like, okay, I can pray for your job. And then the next person's like, oh yeah, can you pray for my job? Can you pray for my job? And you're like, okay, everybody, everybody's job is horrible, apparently. <laughs> and you're like, okay, today, this week, we're just gonna pray for your job. Awesome. Next week, same thing. Bible reading plan, accountability time, what can I pray for? Your job. Okay, cool, your job, you, you need to find a new job, right? <laughs> And the week after, and the week after, and the week after. And all you ever talk about is just your job. Maybe a little bit about your family. But you never in that accountability time just bear your heart open and say, hey, there is some serious sin in my life that I need to deal with. This is what pursuing community with a purpose is, is that when you go into that community, you're saying, hey, I'm going to trust you. You're going to trust me, and we're going to open up our hearts, and we're going to be so vulnerable that it feels like we're naked. And you're like, why would I ever do that? Because in the book of 1 John, it says that no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, his love is made complete in us. That complete in us means that it manifests. All of a sudden, that when you're vulnerable with people and people could come in and show you the grace of God in a tangible way by maybe hugging you, by praying for you, whatever it is, all of a sudden, you sense God's love in such a deeper way when you open yourself and you're vulnerable. This is what pursuing community with a purpose is. And I'm not trying to down you. Like, I know I'm making jokes about work. Sometimes work is hard, and we need to talk about work, and we need to talk about family. But do you stop and say, hey, you know what? This week, I know that there's some sin in my life that's getting in the way of me pursuing Jesus more. I know that there's something there that I'm, my heart is getting cold for Jesus, and I don't want it to get cold. Help me out. You may need some brothers and sisters to just start speaking life into you. Do you remember the last time that someone spoke in life to you? Do not let your, your small group get complacent. Be the one who opens up. And then the last one, the last one that we got here is share your faith. Share your faith. One of the greatest ways to stir your affection for Jesus is to share your faith. Now, if we talk about sharing our faith, let's be honest, it's scary and awkward. <laughs> Right, like if I told you right now, everybody, let's just stand up, walk out those doors, and let's just walk around and find someone and just start sharing our faith, some of you would be really freaked out. <laughs> some of you were like, that's not a word from the Lord. <laughs> I'm done, right? <laughs> um, but sharing our faith can be difficult. But here's what I want, I want to share. Philemon 6 talks about it this way. I says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding. What does this mean? Paul is writing and he says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith, that Paul says us in the faith, it's also implying evangelism, evangelism, discipleship. The partnership that we have, when you evangelize, that it may be effective in deepening your understanding of the faith. When you evangelize, when you share your faith, what you're doing is you're deepening your understanding of your faith. So you're blessing those people, but you're also blessing yourself. When I get up here, when Trike gets up here, when any of the pastors get up here, the reason why we get excited to come back up here is because we are deepening our faith in Christ. Some of you just need to get, get with your friends and kind of hang out and be like, okay, let me preach to you for 10 minutes. 
Because I just, I just want to deepen my understanding of Christ. But for some of you, you just need to get out there and share your faith. You need to get back to that passion where you're like, man, I used to love Jesus. I don't care how I look. I don't care how awkward I look. There's someone that, God is, that I'm sensing that God is wanting me to talk to, I got to go talk to. For some of you in this room, as soon as I said share your faith, there was a person that immediately came to your mind. Whether it was a friend, a family, a coworker, where you know the Lord's been tugging on your heart to say, hey, just tell them about Jesus. You've had all the other conversations. You've had all the political conversations, all these different harder conversations. Will you step to the plate and have the conversation of faith and tell them about their fallen condition? Tell them about God's grace. Tell them how God is so good for them. This is hard, but I believe that if all of us in this room would just be like, hey, there's is someone that I need to share my faith with. Imagine what it'll look like. I guarantee you that when you start to share your faith, there's something that just dwells, that, that, that's inside of you that you're just like, I kind of want to do that again, right? Some of you are like, that is, no, that is not me. That never happens. Trust me, like, it is one of those things that, like, when you share your faith, you got, like, those jitters. <laughs> you're like, the adrenaline kind of rushes, and you're like, oh, I did that. And just keep doing it. Keep sharing your faith because it'll draw you back to Christ. And here's what I, and, and here's what I mean by this. I want you to think about this. Imagine hope, all of us in this room, if we realize that we have our priorities out of whack, if we realize that we are desiring other things, if we realize that we just forgot Christ, what would happen if we actually turned back to Christ, if we all of a sudden just remembered his grace, we repented, and we did the things that we once did? What would your life look like again? You would have the zeal, the passion that you once had, and you would also be doctrine sound. You would also be a hard worker. Imagine what would it do to our community. Imagine what it would do to the people around you at work or at school, where all of a sudden you're going to class and someone's like, dude, what's different about you? Like, I remember you. You were like kind of a good kid. You were cool, but like all of a sudden there's something inside of you that I want. What is that? And you're like, well, I'm glad you've asked. It's Jesus, right? Like, what would happen if, the, if we did that? If we continued to do the hard works, if we continued to pursue deep theology, but also pursued our relationship with Christ once more? So here's what I want us to do. In the last 20 seconds of our time, I'm actually gonna ask you to do something. Uh, if you want, you could take out your phone, don't open Facebook or Instagram, right? Uh, or you have a pen and paper. And I just want you to answer this question. As I've been talking, there are, I gave you a lot of pointers. Some of those pointers may be applicable to you. Some of them may not be. But as I was talking, you were like, this is what I need to do to return back to Christ. This is what I need to do to fall in love with God the way I used to before. What's that thing that it is? So I just want you to take 20 seconds to do that. Now, as we do this, the worship team is going to come back up, 
and they're gonna play one more song. And this is the moment where you have an opportunity to say, you know what? I have the next few moments to spend time with God. Whatever you just wrote down, maybe you just take those few moments to do it right here. I know that we have to pick up our kids. I know that we have to do certain things, but I've actually just ended a little bit early so that you can say, you know what, I'm gonna take this time to just remember God's grace. And I just wanna return back to Christ. Because when you return back to Christ, you would experience God's love in such a powerful way. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you that you are a good God, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And I just ask you right now that we would be people who remember you, that we would be people who return back to you, and that we would be people who would repent so that we could fall in love with you the way we used to. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.